tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Jennifer Barnes. This is a story about Jennifer, who is a United States Marine Corps veteran who's been rescuing since 2014 and colony feeding since 2010. Now she focuses on what is called trap neuter return. It is the only humane alternative to euthanasia for stray and feral cats. She's the true definition of dedication and determination. How does she get TNR accomplished? She uses her own money and occasionally asks for donations. She's rare because she doesn't drive, and yet she does still trap, neuter, and return cats. When it comes to being involved in animal welfare, she does not make excuses. She makes it happen by any means necessary. Jennifer, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so this is fantastic. I'm so glad you're able to spend some time with me today and we can share about some of the work that you're doing in New Jersey. And some folks out there might know you as the trap queen. But first and foremost, if you can tell me, tell me a little bit about how did you become passionate about cats? Tell me, how did you get all involved in all of this? Well, I grew up being taught that I was allergic to cats, that... I was allergic to all animals, so I never really had cats until I was in my teens. And my cousin, who I went to go stay with after my mom passed away, she knew I needed a little brother. I had an older sister, but she was out on her own at 18, and it was just me by myself. So I had a little brother <laughs> named Smokey, and my love for cats grew from there. Was that before 2010 or around that period of time? That was before 2010. That was in 2002. Okay. But you've been feeding cats since 2010. So what took you to that next step of discovering a colony of cats and wanting to feed them? Well, I was staying in this apartment complex and I watched the security guard feed cats and he was also feeding squirrels. So I learned how to feed squirrels and cats from him. Once I moved, he just continued feeding cats. So I didn't even know about TNR, how important it is. Once I moved, I took some time off because there were no feral cats. Uh, and I had just had my own very first cat for the first time by finding him in one of our apartment complexes. He was abandoned. And I took him in and I was his fur parent. And from there, I had another cat, you know, named China. A year later, she was uh, abandoned, about to be hit by a car. A little girl pulled her to me in a box and she said that she couldn't keep the cat. So from there, I was just a parent, but I, my love for cats was still there in my bones. And it wasn't until I eventually moved to an apartment in 2012, December of 2012, I noticed one of my neighbors feeding a bunch of cats on my block and I wanted to help her. So she took the AM shift, I took the PM shift. And that's how I began colony feeding in 2013, January. And then you discovered Trap New to Return. How did you learn about that? Well, first I discovered rescuing. Because there's a difference between rescuing and TNR. The cats that my neighbor and I were feeding, some of them became friendly. And when one of them was really sick, I took that cat in. And ultimately what I was doing was fostering the cat. 
I wasn't trying to keep the cat. I was just trying to make the cat better. And this cat grew attached to me. And I just happened to reach out to people on Facebook and was able to place him into a shelter. Actually, it was Mount Pleasant Animal Shelter. That was the very first shelter that took in my cat for me. Actually, two of them that I had found on my block. From there, I just basically was a colony feeder. And then I donated some food to a woman who needed help. And when she came to my apartment, as soon as I gave her the bag of food, my cats were like ready to be fed when I was feeding on my, on my block. And she asked me, are these cats fixed? And I said, you mean like spay and neuter? And she's like, yeah, like, are these cats TNR? And I'm like, what's TNR? And there it goes. Yep. And she <laughs> told me, and she showed me also how to foster correctly mm-hmm. from, you know, kittens on up. Do you remember the first, first cat you trapped? Yes. After three or four months watching, it's actually two women that taught me how to trap. I found a kitten that had passed away while I was waiting for them to come help me trap. And I realized I couldn't really wait and rely on someone. And I really wasn't the type of person to rely and wait on someone ever. So I decided to take action. I knew enough about TNR. So raised some money on Facebook, was able to buy me a drop trap. Someone donated to me a transfer carrier, and someone also showed me, third person showed me how to use it. So this first cat that I had to trap, he had a gouge on his neck, and he was really bloody and kind of bruised up really bad. So he was a cat that got around, wasn't fixed. So I was able to trap him with a drop trap. I mean, <laughs> I could have probably just used a, a true catch trap, but I really didn't know much about that then. I was just like, I need this big drop trap, so easier. They got much more space, you know. So typically you use a drop trap if it's a trap savvy cat or if you had multiple cats. But I didn't know that then. So I did it. It was successful. Fortunately, he was euthanized a couple of days later because he tested positive for FIV and FELV. And he had a severe case of URI, severe. The vet wasn't sure at Cameron Animal Hospital if the URI was a result of his, you know, health failing because of the FIV and FELV. So she suggested, Dr. Houston, that it's your choice, but you don't typically put FELV cats out back out because they can reinfect other cats and he was feral. So we both made the decision. Ultimately, I did, but with her advice, suggestion, I made the decision to have him um, euthanized. And it was the first decision, the hardest decision I ever had to make. And actually, I didn't want to even trap anymore after that. I was like, this is, this, is, this is my first trapping. This is what I have to go through. This is what I have to deal with. This is hard. This is not what I signed up for. This is scary. I'm supposed to literally trap, get the cat fixed, and return it. That's it. So I took a couple months off. and uh, I even got criticized for, for, for that trapping from some, from some people. And a lot of people don't have my back because they realized, you know, the situation. You had no choice. I mean, you can't. This cat is feral. Cat back out. He has FDLD. So... Took me a couple months, but I bounced back. Well, it's interesting that the first tool that you used for trapping was the drop trap. You know, most people learn using the box traps first, and then when you get to be expert, you're going into the drop trap. So it's interesting that was one of the first tools that you used. There's still quite a few trappers out there that don't even use a drop trap still, which I can't imagine because it makes their life a lot harder. But I think that that's just very interesting. For the old, old timers, the drop trap, you know, has only been around probably since around the mid 2000s, early 2000s. Before that, the drop trap was very homemade. So that's really interesting. 
So you are located in New Jersey, and obviously at some point you came back to trapping. You've got dedication, you've got determination, but you don't drive. So you're an individual trapper. You're not affiliated with a nonprofit organization. You know, how do you choose who to help and how do you do it without having your own car and having to work to raise money? Well, I've only collaborated with one nonprofit. The reason why is because I know there's a lack of diversity in animal welfare. One thing that almost made me want to quit animal welfare was I felt like I was a black sheep of the family. The few people that I did work with didn't want to work with me anymore. They turned their backs on me. And I always question why there isn't any black people involved in animal welfare. So I wanted to support a black nonprofit. And I helped the nonprofit. You know, I chose that nonprofit because it was ran by a predominantly or a black CEO and founder. Not that I'm impartial to any other nonprofits out there, but I gravitated towards that nonprofit because I could relate, because we're both African Americans involved in animal welfare. But who I choose to work with, with trapping, I get tons of requests to help trap. The only thing is, because I don't drive, I do ask if they can compensate me for like literally a lift there and back or, you know, train there or any other type of service that can help me get there. I don't ask for no more than maybe 50 bucks. I don't make money off of it. I don't because I don't want to burden them. I just really want to help the cat. I do request that if they can't help me with travel, at least meet me halfway and be able to pay for at least stay and neuter especially if it's not in my city. I don't mind helping anybody in my city. I'm more lenient. But if it's outside of my city, that's different. Do you have a specific spay-neuter clinic that you use? Well, I was using people for animals, but you have to make an appointment and they can sometimes be backed up. Before the pandemic, I used people for animals religiously. And I still do. It's just a little harder because they now have appointments and they're so popular. So they get backed up, and it could be like weeks before I get an appointment. And sometimes it's hard to get them on the phone. So I use them still, but they're like now my secondary choice. My primary choice is a veterinarian in, I think it's in Saddlebrook Veterinarian Clinic. And they have spay meters on Mondays and Tuesdays. I just call ahead, make the appointment, and they're flexible. If it's an emergency situation, I also use Twin Oaks because you don't really need an appointment. You can just let them know the day before I'm coming in. So I use those three, Twin Oaks, People for Animals, and Saddlebrook Veterinarian Center. For somebody out there that might be interested in trapping community cats or feral cats, and they don't have access to a vehicle, you know, what sort of tips would you give them? Are, are there situations that you've had you know, positive or negative situations. You talked about using Lyft or Uber, and I think you've also gone and used public transportation. You know, are there things that people need to watch out for if they are going to use those resources to get where they need to go with their cats? Just to make sure you treat, especially with car service, you treat the car service like if it was your own car. Maybe put some cardboard down, you know, to protect in case the animal has an accident. Always line your traps with wee pads. And I also carry cardboard and wee pads with me so I can put the trap on top of that. I've had a couple of lift drivers deny me because they were like, oh, it's, I'm allergic. And I'm like, okay. Or I don't want a cat in my car. 
So the great thing about Lyft is, because I've never experienced this with Uber, but the great thing about Lyft is I will report them and they will apologize, refund me the money, and sometimes they've given me credit as well. And they've oh, disengaged me from that driver. And I request another car service like that, and they come. So, so there seems to be a willingness there of people to help you with getting the cats where they need to go. Yes, even with Lyft as a company. Typically, they, they have a policy of you can't deny someone if they have an animal in a carrier that's closed. Same thing on the bus. I've had um, one bus driver, and he tried to give me problems. And I just said, well, I have to go to the vet. You know, so this is in a trap. It's enclosed. It's covered. So there should be no problem. And I always took a stand. I'm, you know, I'm like, I have all day. I'll just sit here and hold you up, and we hold each other up, huh? have a conversation about TNR and they typically you know all right fine you know but that's the thing I did make a, a post about trapping in a group popular group on Facebook and a lot of people were like well I'm in Florida it's rural or I'm in so and so some other place and it's rural and they don't allow you know traps and stuff on their buses so what I've actually done is actually research you know the area who their transportation system is contact with them and they said as long as it's in a, a carrier or a trap that is closed and locked and it's covered, that is fine. So there really is no excuse, even for the people that have told me, well, I live in a rural area and our transportation won't let us. That's illegal. And that's when you have to know your rights. That's when you have to call the bus companies and ask them. You know, I, I mean, if it's just the same thing as if you have a pet and you're not driving and you need to take your pet to the vet. You're going to deny me to take my cat to the vet? That doesn't make any sense. That's discrimination, actually, a form of it. Boulder Holistic Vet believes the future is feline. For far too long, cats have been treated like small dogs. Dr. Angie knows that now, more than ever, our kitties rely on our ability to better understand them. Empowering pet parents all over the globe through her online courses, blogs, live talks, and supplements available through her online store, Dr. Angie is here to help cats and cat parents, no matter your location. Learn more about Dr. Angie and her practice at www.boulderholisticvet.com. And don't forget to use the coupon code KITTYLOVE for 10% off any supplement in her online store. Dr. Angie's unique point of view to veterinary medicine uses a holistic approach to keeping your cat healthy from the very start and for treating a variety of diseases. To learn more about Dr. Angie and her practice, visit www.boulderholisticvet.com. And don't forget to use the coupon code KITTYLOVE for 10% off any supplement in her online store. Is your organization struggling because out-of-date shelter software doesn't support your organization's needs? Do you struggle to communicate with your fosters and to get videos, photos, and updates on the animals easily? Did you know that Dubert does much more than transport? If you haven't been back to Dubert in a while, you definitely need to check it out. Their rescue tube functions allow you to easily get video from fosters and staff, and their foster space module is revolutionary in the industry, allowing you to manage hundreds of fosters while easily communicating with them through text, email, and messaging. Dubert is the only place where you can manage fosters, transports, social media, and even your own online store all in one place. Whether you're trying to manage 10 animals or 10,000, Dubert provides much more than any shelter management package does for managing your organization at scale. Check it out and sign up for free at www.dubert.com, where they make animal rescue simple. We'd like to thank our sponsor, the Community Cat Coalition of Clark County, Nevada, 
In the decades since the group began, C5 has trapped over 37,000 cats, providing them with spay, neuter, and vaccinations, and then returning them to colony caretakers in the greater Las Vegas area. C5 is a volunteer organization that believes they can eliminate the senseless euthanasia of feral and free-roaming cats that live in the Las Vegas Valley. They are a caring and dedicated group whose goal and purpose are the well-being of feral cats and their community. They feel an obligation to provide feral and free-roaming cats a better life, while at the same time humanely reducing overpopulation. They believe their actions will improve their community by reducing feline diseases. They have a passion and a belief in a cause that is morally right and that will make a difference. To learn more about C5, visit them at www.c5-tnr.org. Do you do any large-scale trapping or pretty much, I mean, when you use the drop trap, you can do a couple at a time. And I understand we've got coronavirus and COVID, and so you might be limited to like one or two cats at a time. But, you know, what's the number? Is it usually onesie, twosies, or are you doing, spending any time doing larger scale, maybe in the, in the pre-COVID era? I just recently got my second true catch trap. So I have now two plus a drop trap. Because it's just me and I typically don't have help, I can only carry but so much, even on the bus or train or even using car service. The most that I believe I've trapped on my own by myself is five or six. And that was tough because literally I had a window of 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. to trap these cats because they all had to go to PFA and be there by 10 a.m. to get there. And I was literally by myself. And it was two different locations without a car. That was challenging. That was challenging. Because then I had to like watch car service and then take the, the cats out and then put them aside, you know, covered, you know, and then go and track real quick at this other location and request car service again and then load them all up, you know. And that could be expensive because now I have to request what's called an XL Uber or XL Lyft. And that's typically like three times the price. But yeah. So I asked this question of every trapper that I interview. What are your favorite baits? I don't like sardines because I don't like the smell of it or it gets on your hands and it really stinks. But I like to use sardines. I have used uh, mackerel, but sometimes it doesn't always work with the cats. Uh, I guess maybe it's a northern thing. I don't know. But um, I know one of my, um, my old mentors, he uses mackerel. But I use sardines and that typically works. I'll use sardines in oil because the smell lingers longer. I have also used fried chicken, but that doesn't always work, especially in the winter. You have to reheat it and the smell, it's, it's cold and the smell dies down. Do you feed colonies regularly now or are you focusing all your time and energy on trapping? Oh, I wish I could just do that. <laughs> the thing is this though, you know, I started feeding my colony in 2013 and when you take really good care of your colony, they actually last a lot longer, typically, feral cats outside may live to be five years old at the mat, but my babies are living a lot longer because they're well cared for. Uh, if anything happens to them, get them over to a vet, try to raise some money. So my donations is really not just for spay and neutering, it's to help with my colony feeding and to help with my colony vetting. I still have, you know, some cats from that colony from 2013, so yes, it's still colony feeding. Then I took over two additional colonies because this woman was moving to like, out of state. And I thought, you know, she just had a plan. We got just come and trap, and then she just brings them and relocates them to this barn thing that she had set up. 
turns out it wasn't a barn. Turns out this person didn't know what they were doing. And I went behind her back and actually vetted them. And I told her, I came back with my results and I told her, I don't trust this person. You should not be bringing these cats here. So she agreed. She, you know, she really didn't know what was going on in the situation. She just was like so desperate. And I get that we can be so desperate, but I had to properly vet where these cats were going to. Even though these were not my cats, they're still cats and they are my boys. So after vetting them, I just, you know, I had no choice but to take over because she was leaving. She was the only feeder. What was going to happen? Later on, I did find out there were other feeders, but I just continued to do it faithfully. So I took on two additional cats. And it's only in the next town over, like that 10-minute drive. But because I take the bus, and it can be quite expensive to use car service every day to go over there, um, it takes me an hour and a half round trip by bus to go there. And it's just the next town over. So I feed those cats once a day. I know there's other feeders, but I feed those cats once a day. So at least they get one good meal. And that's how their previous feeder had them set up, feeding them once a day as well. So I just stayed with that. Jennifer, folks are interested in finding out more about the work that you're doing. How would they do that? I do have a Facebook public page. I have a personal one, but I don't accept friend requests on that one. I do have a public page, and it is called Jennifer Barnes Trap Queen. I also have an email address attached to that public Facebook page. I also have Instagram, and my Instagram handler is Jennifer underscore Trap Queen. And I'm recently now on Twitter, and on Twitter, my handler is at Trap Queen 85. Excellent. Great. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yes. One thing I have been taught by one of my old mentors is about compassion fatigue and burnout. In 2017, I started trapping, but I was all over the place. I wasn't organized with trapping, colony feeding, fostering, rescuing. I was all over the place. So I felt like giving up and I was on the brink of giving up. And then, you know, one of my old mentors saw a video on them from 60 Second Documentary. And I was like, that's what I do. I trap. And it gave me the first time, it, for the first time I was able to look at what I actually do from the outside in. And I knew I needed to continue doing this work in animal welfare, TNR, but I needed to know my limit. Because I wanted to dibble dabble in fostering and wrestling and other stuff, but I wanted to be organized. And I was taught how important it is to be organized, to have your niche. My niche is TNR, but I now know that I can handle a foster or two. I do colony feed that I can't give up because I started doing that before TNR, you know, but my niche is TNR and I now know my limit. And it's important because what you could get is compassion, fatigue, and burnout. And a lot of people, even black people that I've known that have been in animal welfare involved in trapping or colony feeding, that's the first thing they say why they don't. That's the first reason I should say why they're not involved anymore. And it's because of compassion, fatigue, and burnout. So whatever you do in animal welfare, even you, Stacey, make sure you just know your limit. You know, don't overwhelm yourself. You know, we haven't spoken about that earlier. Overwhelming yourself. Just, you know, know your limit, know your niche, and stay focused. Because sometimes if you don't know your limit, you don't know your niche, you could easily be TNRing fostering a whole bunch of cats. Now you're not team learning as much because you're focused on fostering all these cats or vice versa. So I'm really blessed to know my limit and to be able to know my niche and still be able to blend stuff in. But not a lot of people can. So I would just suggest if you don't know your limit, you don't know how to do colony feeding, TNR, whatever, 
just stick to one thing and then maybe branch off a tiny bit, like two a little bit. You just colony feed, then just maybe trap one cat a month or one cat every two months. Because even if you trap one cat a month or 50 cats a month, it's the same thing because one cat, when you trap that cat and you TNR that cat, you're saving the lives of 425,000 unwanted born kittens from being born. Just want to make that known to everybody involved here in the world. It's as simple as that. And I agree. Staying focused, knowing your niche, that's really yeah. important. And, and understanding that there are a lot of other people out there trying to do either the same thing you're doing or else the other components of animal mm -hmm. welfare. There may be people out there that are really into feline behavior in shelters, mm -hmm. and that's their thing. And, you know, there are other people who are really interested in doing fundraising for animal shelters, and that's their thing. And we need to respect that everybody may have a thing, and we can't do all the things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're a person who tries to do all the things, all the power to you, that's great. But we shouldn't <laughs> expect that of everybody. And so appreciate you saying that, especially this show will be released in September. So everybody's coming off a really stressful summertime. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully some of the stress is a bit relieved at this point in time, but it's still, we just need to be very respectful of everybody and what they're doing and, and they're taking care of themselves first. That's really important. So Jennifer, I really appreciate you saying that. And I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show and chatting with me today. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats.